This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. Until you really have felt loss, uh, until you've really inhabited your your humanity in that way, that for most people, there's a place in the heart that hasn't broken open yet. And it's, it's in those broken places that God can come in to each of us. Welcome to Dale Borglum's Healing at the Edge. We are very happy to share with you Dale's profound insight and open heart. Please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dale to support this podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast. I'm Ram Dave Dale Borglum. And today it is my great pleasure to introduce you to a new friend of mine, Wendy Stern, a yoga therapist from Boulder, Colorado, who is the founder and director of the Center for Somatic Grieving. Wendy and I were introduced by a mutual friend, and we started talking and got all excited that we have very similar ideas about grief support, about the spiritual path. And I thought, hey, why don't we do a podcast? And we can talk about that. Uh, I have, a, as you know, many of you know, I really have this deep feeling that somatics is often a big missing piece in meditation instruction, that getting grounded and centered is a great foundation for the dissolving, the letting go, the expanding. So applying that to grieving is one of is a topic close to my heart, and it is also to Wendy. Hello, Wendy. And maybe you can tell us, please, how you got into this and what you're doing, and we can then begin a conversation about how we agree so much about everything. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here. Um, Oh, how did I get into this? That is a big question. Um, Well, I'll start by saying I've been a yoga therapist for about 22 years. And my first um, like real deep dive into the realm of yoga therapy was with Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy, who I will always credit as the foundation of my education. And it gave me such a profound understanding of the power of presence actually where my training began was they taught us what it means to be present with with yourself and with another person. Um, And when I first got into yoga therapy, I was doing individual work and I had 
really just this amazing education for about a decade in private practice of witnessing the way that our emotions so powerfully manifest in our bodies. Um, and it became the foundation of not only my own kind of professional career, but also my own understanding myself. I've done a lot of self-study in that realm as well. Um, and about, oh God, almost 17 years ago, I had a life-changing event that took my understanding of kind of somatics and the relationship between our emotions and our bodies and our whole, and this idea of presence. And, um, it gave me these tools in a moment or at a time when my life completely broke down. Um, and what happened to me is, um, my first child, Noah, very unexpectedly passed away. So I was confronted with, um, grief in a way that completely brought me to my knees and, um, it was quite, it was quite a thing to happen, um, in my, in my life. And there were two significant things that happened for me, um, when I went through this loss, one was I went to my yoga mat. I mean, that, that became my absolute sanctuary. It became the place that I could feel all the big emotions of my grief. And that alone was pretty life-changing to have a place where it felt safe to feel. Um, and then the other thing that happened is, um, my husband, and I left the country just a couple of weeks after Noah died, um, seeking a culture, seeking something that could help us kind of figure out how to grieve, how to do this. Um, we were blessed to have friends and family and beautiful community that showed up, but there was still this kind of energy elephant in the room kind of feeling and, and people didn't really know how to be with us. No one knew what to do. So we went to other cultures seeking guidance and we were in Bali, Indonesia and Thailand and found that these other cultures had a different relationship with death. They saw it as a part of life. And because of that, they weren't afraid. So as a result of that, the people that we encountered leaned in towards us. They wanted to hear our stories about Noah. Um, they weren't afraid of our grief, which opened the door for us to begin to grieve. Um, and that, that moment, that experience, I should say, changed my entire understanding of grieving and of the power of just simply being able to talk about it, um, and being able to be in my grief and to be not okay. And two weeks after he died, we were very much not okay, um, that opened the door for um, a big journey that I was to begin that I didn't even know at the time. So that's where it began for me. Oh, one of the things that you and I talked about that got us so excited is that we both were feeling that for many people, they are never so open as when they're grieving. Mm. With their Their heart is ripped open in a way that all the psychotherapy, all the somatic body work, all, all those things that un, until you're, until you really have felt loss, uh, until you've really inhabited your man, your humanity in that way, that there, for most people, there's a place in the heart that hasn't broken open yet. And it's, it's in those broken places that God can come in to each of us. And that's certainly been my experience, and that seems to be what you were feeling too. Yeah, I'd love to speak to that because it's honestly one of my core 
kind of beliefs actually is that grief does crack us open. And with that, our hearts get bigger, um, really, if we let it. And, and I, I had the opportunity to learn that pretty quickly. Um, while I was in Bali, um, about a month to the day after my son passed away, I got pregnant with my daughter, Hannah. Mm. And I remember being afraid that like, oh my God, how can I ever love another child as much as I love this precious being? And then she came into the world. And what I found was that my heart got even bigger and that my um, appreciation for life, everything like the focus got turned up. Um, Things that I often maybe would have overlooked, all of a sudden I noticed. Um, And I think that our hearts do get bigger and there's something about this, this appreciation or gratitude, the way that we feel love after loss, knowing the preciousness of life um, that has been absolutely life-changing for me. And it's really one of the core teachings um, in the grief work that I do. And it's interesting. People often say, oh God, you do grief work. That's like so depressing. Like you sit with people who are grieving all day. What they don't know is that there was more love. There was more light. There is more beauty in this process because people are cracked open. And because of that, their love comes through. It is like the most tremendous amount of love I've ever experienced is in, in myself and also sitting with people going through loss. Um, and you said something that I, that I would love to talk more about. And it was the idea of kind of where we feel God or when God comes in, there's like something that happens where it opens us to more than just our own physical reality. And I don't know if you want to get into that, but I was struck by kind of your way of talking about that. And I really resonate with that. Well, my way of talking about it is, uh, and let me change the picture here. Then maybe this will work better. Okay, so my experience is that what blocks a lot of Westerners from going very, very deeply into practice is their relationship with emotions. Mm-hmm. One of my last teachers, Sokni Rinpoche, when he first came to America, about 25 years ago or more, he said, oh, this is going to be so great. These Americans, they're so intelligent. They're so committed. They really love the Dharma. There are a lot of these people are going to be getting enlightened. And then about 10 years go by and that not too many people, nobody's getting enlightened. Very few people are getting enlightened. And he starts asking himself, what's going on? Why aren't people getting enlightened here? Because they're, 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 they're so intelligent. They're so committed. And what he came to was that there's a a split in a lot of Westerners between what they understand their intellectual body and their emotional body, that that people get to a level of feelings of conditioning from early childhood that probably doesn't happen for a lot of Tibetans in certain ways. And they bump into these, this lower chakra stuff in a way that is uh, so conditioned that it's difficult by just meditating and looking at it to break through that. Yes. And so he talks about befriending emotions, shaking hands with emotions, a tantric approach to emotions, if you will. And I've developed this thing that I kind of jokingly call the the tantric three-step, as opposed to the country two-step dance. The first step is what we've been talking about, a a uh, embodied mindfulness. You're feeling something, 
instead of saying, I'm feeling this because such and such happened, because somebody left or somebody died or an identity fell away. No, I'm feeling this. This is just what it is. Let go of the narrative. Let go of the story. How directly, nakedly, intimately can I be with what this feels like somatically? And then the next step of the of the tantric three step, the second step is opening the heart to what you're feeling, mm-hmm. having compassion for the grief, for the part of me that's been lost in grief. When grief or any emotion arises, we can push it away, we can get lost in it, or we can do what we're talking about right now, being with it, being with it also with an open heart. And then finally, that third step that, that Sokni is talking about, and I'm talking about now, and I'm sure you do too, is that even these difficult, painful emotions are awakened energy. Even these are a face of the mother. Even these are the perfect next step on the path. Now, I would love it if you could have gotten here without having your son Noah died. <laughs> but this is what has brought us to this conversation. Right. And I uh, I lost all my money with Madoff. I've had this kind of loss, that kind of loss in my life. It brought me here. Otherwise, I'd probably be happily retired, walking around Mount Tam and just taking it easy. But God said, no, no, I've got other work for you to do, my son. <laughs> like, let's get going here. Yeah. So uh, maybe you could say something then about how yoga as a yoga therapist, is more than just being with the sensations. I mean, I used to study uh, Qigong fairly intensively. And you put yourself in certain postures or do certain movements that make it almost impossible not to be aware of what's Mm -hmm. going on in certain parts of your body. And I'm sure that that's part of the way you approach yoga therapy for uh, the grieving. It is. Um, yes. Well, I love your, what did you call it? The something three-step? What do we call this? The tonky three-step? The tantric three-step. <laughs> tantric three-step. I love it. Let's dance. Yes. Um, well, I have a very similar approach, um, which is evolved into the mindful grieving curriculum, which is the work that I teach and offer. And it has very similar components, except there's one other piece I'll add. And, and I will speak to yoga therapy and kind of how we address this in, yoga, in the yoga therapy kind of modality. Um, but the foundation of the mindful grieving work is the idea that we have that you have to be able to feel it to heal it. So it's teaching people how to pay attention to their emotions, where they're held in their body, where are they holding grief, and to be able to go there and to be present with it. Um, so there's no, there's nothing that needs to happen. There's no right or wrong. There's no changing or fixing. There's absolute acceptance around whatever it is there. And it is very much the idea of welcoming our emotions and being able to access and, and understand where they are actually living in our body. And one of the things that I experienced in my own journey is I did a lot of talk therapy and it was wonderful. It was helpful and necessary. And I would go round and round and round in my head uh, with not only grief, but trauma, the cousin to grief, right? Which is often trauma. And, and I got so far with it, but it wasn't until I got into my body, which is where our grief and our trauma actually lives in the cells of our bodies that I was able to touch it and, and actually feel it. And then by just the act of it being noticed, it would begin to shift and change and move. So um, grief is a powerful teacher. 
It not only opens our heart, but it gives us access to deeper understanding of ourselves. So this somatic piece has been foundational. Um, the second piece that you said around um, opening our heart to it. And this to me is like, has a similarity of, of, of the kind of third step of my process, which is acceptance. Um, so letting go of the resistance of what is. And we look at acceptance, not only acceptance of circumstance, but self-acceptance. Um, grief is a catalyst that opens us to um, to have to kind of reorganize or sometimes redefine our own identity. And through that, we get to create a new relationship with ourselves. Um, so for me, and, and for many I've witnessed, grief opens us to all the places that we haven't wanted to look. Um, to, you know, our shadow or the parts of us that we reject or cast aside. It is in some ways this great illuminator. And um, because it it opens that when we can come into our bodies, we can connect in with um, the deeper understanding of our own self. And, and because of that, it's really a personal growth process that grief opens us to. Yes, people come in because they want to feel better, but there's something else that happens if we are um, open to, to this idea of being present with ourselves. Um, and then there's one third piece that I'll say that I have watched people have just beautiful, um, a profound change with, and that is what happens when we grieve in community. So we can do a lot of this personal work. We can sit on our cushion. We can be in our yoga mat. We can be in this connection with ourselves. We're grieving. But something really powerful happens when we are witnessed in our authentic experience, when we have a space where it's safe and we feel we know that we won't be judged and where we know it's okay to be messy, that it's okay to be whatever we are. And when we are witnessed in that experience, whatever is coming up for us. And then it's reflected back with acceptance and love and externally validated. It can help us to internally validate our own feelings. And that internal validation leads to acceptance. And for me, this has been one of the most transformational things I've witnessed is um, the power of community and seeing how people learn from each other and um, the ways and what happens when we feel valid in our feelings especially with grief. I was really struck in our earlier conversation when we decided we were going to have this podcast that you were telling me about a grief workshop you were facilitating in Maui and you took everybody over to the Hanuman temple and they chanted and it, it broke open the heart in a way that really changed the workshop in a profound way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, let me say a couple of things here. One is that I feel like everybody's grieving, mm -hmm. even if they haven't had somebody close to them die. And that the way to begin practicing conscious grief work is not waiting till some deep loss happens, but this moment to moment being disconnected from yourself, from each other, from God, from the earth, that the, 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 the quality of the open heart is the quality of connectedness. And grief has the quality of separation, the, the emotions that arise, not just sadness, but anger and frustration and hopelessness and on and on that we feel when we're feeling disconnected. And which speaks really to your point about grieving and community is, is, a, is a great benefit there. 
so that again and again, I'm meditating, I'm walking around my house, I'm doing something. I notice I get lost in my mind. And it's a tiny, tiny moment of grief. Mm-hmm. And in, in that moment, can I come back? Can I feel what that feels like then to be separate? And can I, can I open my heart to that? Can I come back to being present without self-judgment, without any inner violence, without any, any pulling back with, a, with a, a tightness, if you will? Can I come back with, with mercy? Mm-hmm. And the more moments I can do that, then if some larger loss comes into my life, I've been training myself to deal with loss in a way of being with it, opening my heart. And then the other thing you said was you, your third step is acceptance. And to me, that's just the code word for Tantra. The Tantra is accepting it's all as it's all the mother. It's all God that. Uh, it's not like Tantra, some fancy thing. It's that realizing even this can be accepted because even this is what, what, uh, is God is showing me her face is this right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to speak to, um, a little bit of what you just said around acceptance. And I think that, um, this is a hard one for people, um, around loss. Um, and, um, and I also want to speak to the idea of grief as more than just the death of a person, right? So there's death there, but there's lots of things we grieve and lots of ways that grief shows up in our life. And I think some of my, um, desire kind of in my work is to change kind of our cultural understanding of, of grief and you have it include anything that we feel a loss from, right? right. And, and some, and to kind of dismantle some of the hierarchy of grief that can get in the way of our own of feeling validated in our own experience. And what I've seen for, for some folks is when uh, a loss is unacknowledged by society, when it's not considered a real grief, then not only don't they get to kind of, like you said, almost practice and do this work of grieving when it, when it isn't this huge life-changing event, but they also don't validate it as, as worthy of being grieved. And it's often these things that happen in our early childhood, um, whether it be neglect, where, whether it be feeling less than all these, these things that happen along the way, when that's not acknowledged it um, it takes on a life of its own. It can and it can really impact our sense of self uh, and sense of worthiness. So I think about this idea of acceptance in lots of different ways. I think about it, um, you know, acceptance of what's happened. But so much of the work is around self acceptance and how do we use these practices to um, to not become someone else, but to become more of who we are. And that has been the most beautiful thing that I've witnessed in the people that I, that I work with is, um, a deepening into themselves, which really comes through the work of self-love. Um, and that's such the beauty in this is the ways that we can learn to really love ourselves through these practices. Um, but that comes with hard work and looking at the places that we may reject or not accept. So I think there's a lot of really cool crossovers here to what we're saying. 
Rumi has this line in one of his poems where he says, grief can be the garden of compassion. And in another one of his poems, he says, don't run away from grief, O soul. Look for the remedy inside the pain. And I think a lot of people just sort of almost automatically would rather not feel grief. I mean, just the way you were saying, people say to you, oh, that must be so depressing to be around grieving all grieving people all the time. And I go into a party and people say, not that I go into the parties too much, but I go into a group of people, right? And people say, what do you do? And I realize that as I start talking, half of the people are going to run out of the room and the other half are going to gather around. But a lot of people don't want to talk about grief or death. And that until we accept that as also a part of life and passionately embrace it, that the heart won't be open, that that a, a big chunk of the spiritual path is transmuting in the ways that we've both been talking about, the tantric three-step or your, your steps, which are essentially the same steps with slightly different language, that we're transmuting feelings of separation and grief into feelings of connectedness and love and compassion. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. it, it takes a willingness to do that And when, in fact, one's very young son dies, it's pushed right in your face that there's there's not much choice in dealing with that because it's overwhelming. Yeah. And can we start learning that in a way that isn't quite so overwhelming? Can we start having this attitude of uh, having this mercy for ourselves? Because we live in a society that promotes separateness, Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't really promote community in a certain way. And Thich Nhat Hanh, I can never remember his quote, but he said, in this day and age, the Buddha has become the 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 Sangha, or maybe he said the Sangha has become the Buddha. But basically, instead of Buddha, it's about Sangha now. It's about community. Mm-hmm. That that's where freedom is going to be revealed, is through our our surrendering into community. And everybody's grieving. And to have that kind of mercy and and tenderness for others, in my experience, requires we have it for ourselves too. I mean, absolutely. And I think that what keeps people uh, when they're grieving in that place of separateness, you know, beyond some of the big emotions that are uncomfortable and difficult to feel, um, is the is the um, feeling of, of being either misunderstood or that other people can't handle their feelings. So when you're in a group of people who are uncomfortable with your grief and you're in deep grief, that's often more than you can handle. So for some, it's almost easier to isolate and to be alone than to be with other people's discomfort of their grief. And this is a symptom of our culture that is uncomfortable with death. And that is often what creates the isolation and the loneliness. So from what I've witnessed, the key to um, for people to be in community while they're grieving or while they're going through any any big life hardship is to have a space where it's safe. And what creates safety is acceptance. And so if we can cultivate a space where you won't be judged, where you will be seen and heard and loved as you are, then people um, are able to be vulnerable. And when they're vulnerable and they reveal themselves and they stand at their authentic experience, they feel connected. And when people feel that they belong and they're a part of something, it completely changes um, not only their experience of grieving, their ability to heal and move through that, but it actually 
changes their heart. It changes their life. Um, I, I led a retreat in, uh, on Maui last January, uh, as well as one just in October. But in January, we were sitting at the table on the last night after we had had this six day retreat, um, called awakening through grief. And someone asked me at the end, um, like, what is the special sauce? Like, what's the magic ingredient? Like what creates the magic of this work? And my answer was very simple. I said to her acceptance. And I think that is the key so much to um, to our own healing is when we feel that we belong and um, all of our feelings are welcome. It allows us to heal and allows the grief that can feel so encompassing um, to move through us and to change us and to be the powerful teacher that it is. I agree with you that grief is a teacher. My dear friend Stephen Levine said, acceptance is magic. Yeah, sure is. Maybe you could say something about the Center for Somatic Grieving and how you create that space for people to feel, feel vulnerable and work through their grief. What, what exactly do you do there? Yeah. And how, how, how might people avail themselves of that program? Um, well, there's a couple of different um, things I offer and ways to um, get involved. Um, I uh, Two of the main things that I offer are teacher trainings. So I train uh, yoga professionals, both yoga teachers and yoga therapists, in how to facilitate mindful grieving programs. And these programs uh, are either six-week, six-month, or nine-month programs where you take people through a journey. Um, and it has a set curriculum, but it also includes very specific tools to support people in a community space on how to not only get through their loss, but to really grow and to cultivate this self-love and acceptance we've been talking about through the process. Um, and, the, and each group meets uh, once a week for two hours. And the tools that have been so impactful are... Um, <laughs> Sorry, my daughter's calling. My ringer wasn't off. Um, our, we use meditation. Well, it starts with the Dharma talk, uh, a teaching that kind of guides our self-inquiry. Um, meditation, journaling, group sharing, which is very much the heartbeat of the class where each person shares and then is receives a reflection from the facilitator. And then a yoga practice that moves all that has come up uh, through through our bodies and helps us to integrate. And we close with an integration practice to connect what has happened in our experience on our mat and our circle into our life and then to receive our own inner knowing. And so uh, in some ways, the entire class is to lead you to that moment at the end where you are right there with your own uh, spirit body and can receive your own wisdom. Um, and the yoga is a really important part of the process um, to not only understand and to feel where our grief is living inside, but to be able to work with it and move it. And these amazing shapes that were given to us by these ancient yogis are powerful tools to connect in with ourselves and to work through grief and all the emotions that come with that. Um, so the teacher training is a deep dive into yourself. Um, it is, I just started this last weekend with a new group of 18 amazing women from around the world. 
And um, it's a six month journey that you um, experience the work as well as learning how to facilitate uh, these different programs. So that has become um, really one of my greatest pleasures is um, creating these learning communities and being in these learning communities where I learn so much from every person I sit in circle with and where each yoga professional has their own experience and they add their wisdom to the collective pot. Um, so that is that is one way to get involved. If you're a yoga professional and you want to get into this work. Um, we have trainings being offered throughout the year. Um, and the other kind of probably my favorite thing to do in the world is to take people on retreat. And this is the deep dive into the work. Um, same basic components and tools. But when we go on retreat and um, we kind of leave our day to day life aside and we get to open our retreat and stay open, the healing becomes profoundly accelerated. And I get, I witness people just move through um, their grief um, and, and find their love so quickly and create such beautiful friendships and connections uh, with the group itself. Um, so those are, these are the two main offerings of the Center of Somatic Grieving. And then one new thing that is coming down the line, which I haven't actually spoken about yet, but it'll be coming soon, is um, a membership, uh, a community membership program where you can, um, you know, receive weekly uh, meditations and journaling questions to guide you through your process. It includes some like live time together to circle up as well as a podcast, which I'm going to be experimenting with for myself and um, guest teachers and other ways to inspire people. And I think inspiration is something that's really needed when we're going through grief. It can be dark. It can be lonely. It can feel like we're completely underwater. And I know for myself, having people in my life or teachers that just gave me a sense of hope that I there was a pathway through this um, kind of saved my life. Mm. So um, Center for Somatic Grieving offers that for others. And um, the last thing I'll say is this was all birthed out of the Grief Support Network. Haven't mentioned that yet, but I founded a nonprofit about 12 years ago that is um, changing shape. But this all started with the Grief Support Network, which I've recently um, left and started the Center for Somatic Grieving because I wanted to go deeper with folks, but I, I have to credit um, really all that the Grief Support Network has done over the last 12 years to create community for people who are grieving and to offer these somatic tools as a pathway for healing. So that's Thank a bit what I that. Thank you for doing that fantastic work. So what, you. what you're saying, that reminded me of another poem. I love to pull out poems out of my files here. Hafiz says, don't surrender your loneliness so quickly. Let it cut more deep. Mm -hmm. Let it ferment and season you as few human or even divine ingredients can. Something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need of God absolutely clear. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a really corny question. And I, I, I probably know the answer already, but I can't, I can't stop myself. Uh, you know, people come to me and I have two hats. I, I'm a meditation teacher the same way you're a yoga therapist. I'm actually kind of a meditation therapist more than a meditation teacher using meditation. And anyway, we don't have to go down that road too far. Uh, 
But I also do work with end of life stuff, particularly dying. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's the same work. There's no difference at all. But my corny question here is when you're teaching a group of people yoga, yoga therapists, and you're doing uh, somatic grief work with yoga, is that different at all? And particularly, are there particular postures that are good for doing healing somatic grief work? It's a great question. So I'm going to answer it in two different ways. Okay. Yes, there are certain postures that I think every posture has a metaphysical, metaphysical element, right? And this was so deep in my, in my early yoga therapy studies. So you know that each posture has a potential that it can open someone to. For example, we put someone into a heart opening pose. We bring them into expansion. That's going to give them a certain way of experiencing themselves than when they come into a shape that's more contracted right? So there's an opportunity in that. But the work that I do, and I believe this with grief work very specifically, is that it's non-prescriptive. So what I'm not doing is saying this posture will 100% make you feel this way. And this is all around empowerment. This is around choice. This is kind of the trauma sensitive um, aspect of what I do. And it's the idea of allowing each person to have their own experience and being able to define that and feel that without um, it having to be a certain way. And this exact thing came up in my teacher training this weekend where someone said, you know, I've been told by all these books that I've read that my grief lives in my hips. And she's like, and I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? I don't, I can't find my grief in my hips. And in one of our explorations over the weekend, she found that her grief was living somewhere else. I'm trying to remember where it was. I think it was her shoulder. And once she realized that and felt that and was given permission for that to be true, she was able to to touch the grief, to meet the grief, to feel it. And then all the feelings and the emotions that were there, she got in touch with, which opened the door for such a beautiful process rather than this idea that, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Um, And when you're grieving, you don't want to be told how to feel. At least that was true for me. Um, And so, yes, there are postures that offer potential and opportunity um, for us to connect with ourselves, to connecting with our feelings, particularly grief. And um, I leave it all open And the invitation is to notice and to notice and to notice just like meditation um, so that people can explore and to actually find what's true for them. So not trying to skirt the question, but it's kind of. I was hoping for a shortcut. Do this, do this posture, do this asana. And and, I mean, I knew the answer. That's why I knew it was kind of a corny question. But yeah, yeah. I think there is a posture, but it's different for different people that you have to find where your resistance, where your unwillingness to grieve is locked in your body. Yeah. And I probably, you know, this better than I do, but that there's a real art form in letting the grief out at a bearable rate. Yes. That you can't just like, drop people into depth of their grief and say see you later right that it's like it's it's titrating what somebody's able to really bear yes and i have two big thoughts around that one is i do hold the belief that our bodies release things to us and reveal and release as we are as we have the capacity to handle it so i do trust in a lot of ways in in the wisdom of our own bodies and 
the, and there is the requirement for this is a space that is safe and creating a space that has a container and boundaries and support so that as people are, are touching very difficult emotions and releasing, there is something that is holding them. Um, and I also think that, you know, it's how we also set it up. I find that how I kind of front load, so to speak, a program or a group is essential because I'm laying the groundwork and I'm giving context and I'm offering a lot of grief education, which then allows people and supports people to release as they're ready and then to guide them through a process where we're not kind of ripping the armor off, so to speak, right? We're not taking away all defense mechanisms that have served a purpose. We're giving them tools and a space to kind of, to look, to begin to kind of poke beneath that armor um, and to see what's there and to feel it, but to also know that it's okay to have some protection. So a lot of it is our language um, that then supports people in how they move through um, kind of working with, you know, pretty heavy emotions. So if somebody had a really healthy childhood and then had a loss versus somebody who was uh, deeply abused as a child and had a loss, that the process would be potentially very different in mm -hmm. being able to bear ripping the bandage off, if you will. 100%. And what I what's interesting about group work is that people come in from lots of different places, right? It's very different than individual work where you have to kind of acknowledge all the different things that that are in people's backgrounds and histories, right? So when we're offering this kind of grief education and naming a lot of the things people are going to feel and experience, we have to kind of look at it from all the different angles. And the most important thing, and I probably say this a hundred million times in my teacher trainings, is to create a, a space that is safe because okay. it's really the safety and a bit of education that also supports people to self-regulate. And that's really important too. And yes, different based on what's in your history, how you deal with the loss. Maybe you could give us the address of your websites. Sure. It is uh, centerforsomaticgrieving.com. That's just www. Center for Somatic Grieving .com. Okay. I know it's a mouthful. <clears throat> a lot of typing in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I want to say one other thing when I'm yeah, just please. thinking about things I have coming up because it's such, it's actually quite personal, um, but I'm really excited about it. And I'm just starting to talk about it and get myself ready to do this. Um, but I'm going to be leading a retreat in Bali this coming June. Um, and I've done a lot of retreats primarily in Maui and in Mexico. And what is unique about this Bali retreat and why it's so personal is I have not been there since I traveled there after losing my son. It's been about 17 years. So I am going to be going back for the first time, which feels really significant in my own life. And we're going to be integrating some of the grief rituals that were so impactful for my own healing, as well as some of the old cultural parts um, that are there in Bali, which I think it's just going to be a very rich and powerful experience. So I just wanted to name that um, because it's happening all of a sudden, not too far away. And um, just wanted to share. Let me close with reading another poem. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to do this today. 
I'm so glad our lives have crossed, met. Mary Oliver, to live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. So that's our work. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. Uh, I'm, I really encourage people to check out your website and to participate in what you're doing if, if it reaches your heart, if you feel that grief work right now is the next step. For me, it comes in, in cycles and in waves that uh, for a while I'm just living my life and then there's this place where, to me, it's generally in the left side of my chest. I feel this like deep, deep pain. I'm meditating and it almost feels like there's this sore that's like just slowly turning in there. And sometimes it's from the back, sometimes it's from the front, but there's a a definite physical pain pretty much in the same place. But it's a good pain. It's a pain that something's opening, like a rusty, rusty old door is like creaking open. And when that that happens, it's a real opportunity to go in deeper, to touch a part of myself that I've been avoiding for so long. So once again, Wendy, thank you for the work you're doing. So much love. And I hope that we can talk soon again. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. So much love. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.